welcome to the Holistic Baby and Toddler Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, Georgina Winderbank, a qualified naturopath, a holistic sleep consultant, a mother to a little boy, and I have been pregnant four times. At the Holistic Sleep Project and through my membership, The Sleep Collective, I have helped countless families locally and internationally resolve their sleep issues, which affect not just babies and toddlers, but the entire family unit and how smoothly it functions. My approach is unique as it is completely holistic, just like the naturopathic philosophy. Naturopathy and holistic sleep together create a deeper understanding between the philosophy of sleep and its relationship to other crucial parts of child development. In this podcast, you will learn plenty of solutions and gain an abundance of knowledge so you can confidently tackle any sleep challenge that comes your way. These discussions will address child sleep as well as nutrition, emotional well-being, resilience and experiencing family loss and trauma. This is an informative, thought-provoking podcast about pregnancy, parenting and of course sleep. I am so glad you're here as we navigate together one of the toughest jobs in the world and reduce sleep deprivation in the process. Let's get started. Welcome to the Holistic Baby and Toddler Sleep Podcast. I am so glad that you're here. We are going to talk about one of the biggest challenges when it comes to baby and toddler sleep, which parents find so incredibly frustrating because it means they don't have time for themselves through the day. It also means that they spend a lot of time resettling or they may not spend a lot of time resettling, so they end up just cutting the nap short or be what it is, and then their child is overtired, and that has all sorts of consequences, which we'll talk about through this episode. We're going to talk about the problem of catnapping. Now, I have just finished up a masterclass where I did a massive deep dive into catnapping, and I had 400 mummers attend the masterclass, which was epic. So I want to share some of that information with you today to help you work out why your little one is catnapping and work out what you can do about it. So the first thing that we're going to talk about today is what actually is catnapping. Sometimes parents aren't quite sure of the definitions around sleep or they might be used a little bit incorrectly. So let's set the record straight and work out what a catnap is. A catnap is a short or incomplete nap, and it usually lasts 20 to 40 minutes. It's also fairly normal in the first six months of their lives. But from four months old, some babies start to organically link their sleep cycles. So from one 40 or so minute cycle to the next, other babies may need a little bit more help. And we want to know why do babies catnap? So their natural internal body clock or circadian rhythm has not yet developed. Like everything with newborns, they're very immature. Babies are programmed to wake easily for survival. Infants spend 50% of their time in REM sleep, which is the active or light sleep. So they are more easily disturbed by changes in their environment, such as light, temperature and noise. This is actually a primal instinct. They are waking to do an internal check and see if everything was the same as when they went to sleep. If something is different, this is often enough to wake up your baby. We all want to know if this is normal. Is catnapping normal? I think when we have newborns, we want to know if everything that they're doing or some things that they might be doing a little bit differently than others that you might know, we want to know if they're normal. Is this normal? I think I Googled a lot of things when I had my son about Was this normal? Is this what is supposed to happen? It's always what we want to know about. 
Well, when it comes to catnapping, it is completely normal for newborns, unfortunately. The catnapping merry-go-round of doing only short naps, then being overtired so they need more assistance to get to sleep is incredibly common and frustrating for parents. Babies don't know the difference between day and night in the beginning, so their sleep cycles are longer at night. But during the day, they might be waking hourly for weeks or months. Up until around six or seven months in some cases, there may be still plenty of catnapping going on. And at that point, if catnapping is still going on for every nap, there may be something else going on as to why they can't string these two sleep cycles together. So if catnapping is continuing after about six months, then I would say one or several of the following factors are to blame. Hunger, warmth, sleep associations, overtiredness, undertiredness, a lack of routine, illnesses, teething, developmental changes and leaps, and possibly the darkness level in the room. Trying to work out which one or which ones, because there's usually multiple, is the really tricky part. And then trying to work out how to address these and solve them, so correct which of these ones is responsible for the catnapping, can be really hard on your own without support. You may be able to identify in your baby one or many of the reasons, but then actually trying to correct them is the tricky part. Although catnapping may be normal to a point and expected at certain ages, there's definitely a time for some families that it can become problematic. And that is both for the baby and for the mother or the family. So let's talk about that. When does it become problematic for you or your baby? As I mentioned, it's definitely normal to a point at some ages, but there's also a time that it may become problematic for a variety of reasons. When it comes to growth and development, we want longer naps because according to the author and sleep specialist Elizabeth Pantley, who wrote the book No Cry Solution, she says that longer naps promote strengthening memory, boosting immunity, repairing bone tissue and muscles, regulating appetite, reducing stress and releasing growth hormones. Catnapping is also problematic in terms of the practicality as well as the emotional response that parents may have to this. So for your little baby or your toddler, in fact, these are the reasons it may have become problematic for you. Months may have gone by and you're still getting constant catnapping, not just one-off catnaps, but something more long-term happening day after day. And this is going to have flow-on effects for your baby and we're going to talk about those shortly. One of the flow-on effects may be that your little one is so tired they're not taking optimal milk feeds or in fact, not enough solids as they could be. This can also affect their mood, so as they're not as happy as they could be. They may be grisly and whinging. All the families I work with report after working together and getting longer, refreshing nap, that their mood of their little ones is so much better and they're so much happier. If your child is over six months and always catnapping, this can be considered problematic. It's also relevant to toddlers, however. So you may have a child and they're a little bit older and you're looking for one hour nap twice a day, but they're consistently only doing 30-minute naps. This is me- means that they're in sleep debt. They're not getting as much sleep as they need. And for toddlers, shorter naps can really affect their mood. They can be more clingy. 
They're more difficult to settle when it is nap time and their food take is compromised as well. For you, cat napping can also be problematic. And I guess this is really when parents reach out when they just can't tolerate these anymore because it's affecting their daily life and also their mental health. So parents that are struggling with short naps, this could be happening emotionally. Families that I've worked with complain of being anxious, overwhelmed, stressed, exhausted, frustrated. They don't know why this just keeps happening and they don't know how to get out of it. It's also not very logical in some ways because they've got, they may need to have time with their older children or other children and they're not getting that one-on-one time that they really need. Some parents are also working from home these days. So having constant catnappings and either only having 20-minute blocks of work, that's all that you get time for, or having only a 20-minute block and then needing to resettle for however long you're going to, also means that you're not actually getting the capacity to work like you need to. You may also be finding that you just don't have time to do the things that you need to do in the home. You're not able to take a break when your child sleeps. You've got a massive long list of housework. God forbid you'd want to have a phone call or even a nap for yourself. You just can't get any of those things done during the day. Your mental health may be suffering. Postnatal anxiety and depression and the influence of sleep deprivation is huge in these conditions. Many mamas are undiagnosed or on the verge of these conditions when they finally reach out to me for help. And it's a significant factor having this sleep deprivation as contributing factors to conditions like postnatal anxiety and postnatal depression. So now I'm going to give you five main reasons that your little one might be catnapping. And when I give you these reasons, this is going to be a really great insight into your situation and why this is happening for you. But remember, it could be more than one of these reasons. So the first one I've already touched on, and that's to do with age. As I mentioned, it's totally normal for newborns and young babies to catnap. It's really frustrating because you might have just sat down with your hot cup of tea, ready to have a bit of a break before you start the next part of the day, and then you hear them crying or you see them wake up. It's also, it's accepted, but also to a point, I think it's important to educate ourselves about what we can do to encourage longer naps. Some of you may have heard the story about my little guy who from a very young age was doing long naps and he actually slept through the night for the first time at nine weeks old. Now, I didn't do anything hardcore, but I did put some incredible foundations in place to encourage longer naps. And some of these things were keeping him on an appropriate routine for his age, making sure that I didn't exceed his awake times. Of course, I followed his tired signs, but I was also aware of the awake times and I really made sure I didn't exceed those because an overtired baby will always be harder to settle and harder to settle at bedtime, possibly wake more through the night and early rise. I also had him on a feed and sleep routine that I was developing over time, but I had started it at about this age. I made sure that his environment was 100% optimal and conducive to help him link sleep cycles in that kind of environment. The next reason that your baby or toddler could be doing short naps has to do with understanding tired signs and awake times. If you're unsure of how to read your baby's tired signs, you might be missing the signs that it's time for your baby to have a nap 
or you might be putting them down too early and they also do a short nap. Being under or overtired can result in your baby's cat napping. Tired signs can be very confusing to identify and they're also unique to your babies. And it can take time to learn what these signs are. In my case, I really, he really didn't show many tired signs at all. So it was really hard to pick them would be the best time to put him down for a nap. Similarly, you need to know about awake times. Your child may catnap if you're not aware of the appropriate time a child of your little one's age can handle being awake. You may keep them up too long or, in fact, you may put them down too soon and they don't have enough sleep pressure to have a long nap. Younger babies in particular are often overtired and this has a lot to do with overstimulation from being in the big wide world in the fourth trimester rather than their cosy, dark, warm first home, which was the womb. A baby being undertired can also result in catnapping and either is so confusing because you're thinking, are they overtired? Are they undertired? Why do these catnaps keep happening? It's really, really confusing. Getting an appropriate schedule is really effective. But even though your child may be on a schedule of a particular age bracket, it also comes down to individual sleep needs. Your little one may be able to handle more awake time than the next baby that is the same age. So it can be incredibly confusing for parents. If you put your baby down too soon for a nap and they're undertired, it's possible they do a short nap, then they can't stay up long enough for their next awake time. So you pop them down again, they do another short nap, and so the cycle goes day in and day out. And the other part to all this catnapping is the feeding side of things. So where do you structure feeds if you're always having short naps or trying to resettle them? Where are you actually supposed to feed your little ones? A baby who is undertired, which is more likely in older babies, may then struggle to go to sleep because of this catnap. Another example of not knowing about awake times is when a family have had a child of a particular age, let's say a seven-month-old, on the same awake time for a really long time. So in the beginning they were working, having them on a particular awake time, but they've gone into the next age bracket or it's been a particular amount of time, two weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, on the same routine and now the baby is catnapping. That's a clear indication that it is time for more awake time, which should resolve your catnapping if all the other stages are aligned to create optimal sleep. The third reason why your little one is doing short naps or sometimes does short naps is for the reason of discomfort or pain. So the same thing applies to adults. We may be able to get to sleep, but maybe we wake up soon after because something in our environment is not right. Maybe we are unwell, maybe we have a temperature or we're coughing or maybe we're too hot or too cold. The same applies to our little ones and particularly babies and toddlers are really sensitive to changes in their environment. So if a child is too hot or too cold, it's possible they can go to sleep, but they may wake up soon after because they're too hot or too cold and nothing has changed in their environment to make it more comfortable for them to go back to sleep. Equally, you may have noticed with your little one that when they are in pain or discomfort, they maybe they can get to sleep with or without your support, but they wake up soon after. So something like any sort of pain or illness, teething, 
anything like this can present that in a catnap for either babies or toddlers. You might find that you need to help them with their naps more when they're unwell or they're teething, and that's totally fine. That's exactly what we do with our babies or toddlers. But you may also need to identify whether there's something ongoing in their environment that is off. Is their room too cold? Are they not dressed warmly enough? So they keep having these catnaps. And when it comes to the cold, you also want to think about days and nights. Just because it's daytime doesn't mean we dress our little ones in less. Depending on what climate you're in, this may be applicable, but in places like the southern states of Australia, the days can just be as cold as the nights. So it's important to dress them warmly and safely and also have a heater on if that is applicable for you. Equally, you might find that they get hot So maybe they do end up going to sleep, but they're actually hot. And this can also be relevant if they're napping on you. You have to consider your body heat is playing a role in terms of contact napping, and that might be making them a bit uncomfortable as well. So look at your environment, assess if this is something that is ongoing, and do you need to rejig something within that? Or is this just a one-off to do with illness or teething? The fourth reason that your little one is catnapping is around feeding. Now, this is really relevant when we're talking about newborns. They may be hungry and that is why they are waking prematurely from a nap. It makes sense that a baby or toddler will wake up if they aren't full enough and maybe haven't had a full feed or they require another feed soon after. Then trying to get the baby back at this point either on their own if you're leaving them to resettle themselves or you're attempting to do that and resettle because they've woken up early, but they're hungry, they're not going to go back to sleep. Interestingly, this catnapping and feeding cycle is very much related, and this is how it goes. You might know this well. Your little one naps for less than 45 minutes. They're fussy. They don't feed well because they're so tired. They can't tolerate the next normal awake window that you were expecting, so you pop them down early. They then do another short nap. They wake up because they're tired and hungry. You spend the whole day trying to resettle an overtired baby, and this flows into the nighttime and witching hour because you have a child who hasn't had enough day sleep. That means that they're overtired, and overtired child will always be harder to settle at bedtime and will wake more frequently overnight. You may also get early rising because your child is overtired. I've also worked with toddlers who they're not having enough food through the morning. So if they're a child who's on one nap, and we're wanting that nap to be two, two and a half hours, they don't have enough food and nutrition to sustain them for that really long nap. So they may wake up prematurely. Equally, it's important to think about if a child is on solids, the content of that solids. So if we're talking about toddlers, it's really important to incorporate protein into every main meal. And in fact, if a baby is established on solids, then you might think about having a protein element to every main meal. Protein keeps us fuller for longer, which means they'll be able to do a longer nap and not wake due to hunger. You can check out more about the timing of feeds and sleep and the relationship they have in episode nine of this podcast. So now you have five main reasons that your little one may be catnapping. It may be to do with their age and it's acceptable to a point for bubbers under six months of age to be catnapping. 
It might be about misreading the tired signs of your little one or not knowing the awake times of your little one. It might be about an illness that they're having. So it might be short term or it might be more long term because of the discomfort that they've got because something in their environment is making them uncomfortable. It might be about hunger particularly for younger babies, but possibly also for older babies or toddlers. And it definitely, I find, is usually to do with a sleep association that is no longer working for the bubba and the parents. So they're not able to get to sleep really easily using that sleep association and stay asleep using that sleep association. So all in all, I find that catnapping is a really complex issue like many of the sleep challenges that families face. And although I've given you these great reasons and things to go and look at in your environment and a starting place for you to work out why this is happening for you, I also find that this is one of the main reasons that families reach out for support. And I've actually adapted my main signature package, the Sleep Saviour Package, to make sure that we can work together in an incredibly high level way so that we're troubleshooting every single nap along the way and I'm holding your hand. So this package is a two-week support package where I send you some video content to get you started on your way and I also send you off an individualised sleep plan that's going to give you the breakdown of what needs to happen in this two-week period but the gold within this package is really the messenger and voice component. So if someone was to send you a sleep plan and say your four-month-old needs to get two long naps, maybe two hours plus a shorter nap, the likelihood of you being able to smash out a two-hour nap, whether you were supporting them or not, is very, very small. That's where you need my help. You need my help to help your me, to help you, to help your little one to help them link sleep cycles, to make sure that everything is set up in their environment to be correct, to make sure that their awake windows are perfect for your individual bubba. It is sometimes thought of that catnapping or a lot of sleep challenges are just one thing. Families feel like they're just doing everything they possibly can. I've tried this and I've tried that, but they're still getting catnapping. That's because it's really hard to see the complexity of this issue and to know a strategy. You might be trying one thing and then another thing, but it's about the entire strategy from leading you from A to Z. And that's where this high-level support package comes in. I won't leave you high and dry. When that first nap doesn't go according to plan and you don't get a two-hour nap, I will be there on the Messenger app telling you either by voice or by messaging you if you're in the room supporting your baby how to get a longer nap. How can we extend this nap? And that's where the real gold of the package is, is me supporting you going into bedtime, messaging you first thing in the morning and seeing how you went and giving you the next step along the process. We'll also address within all of this some of what I've already talked about is my five stages to successful sleep. I cover this in the Sleep Collective Membership and I cover this in all my one-on-one packages. Sleep is not one element that's going to solve your catnapping. It is five key elements that's going to solve your catnapping. And if one of those issues are not aligned, you won't get resolution and long naps. Once you have resolved all of that within a two-week 
package with me, then it's just about maintaining that. And within that Sleep Saviour package, you'll get a month's complimentary access to the Sleep Collective. In there, you'll be able to maintain the work that we've established. You will be able to maintain the work that you've done rather than going all the way back to when you started. If they have a regression or sickness or teething, you'll be able to stay on track and continue to get long age appropriate naps. So that's probably your best go-to in terms of support if you're really struggling and you're experiencing a lot of what I've discussed today. I will pop the link in the show notes for the Sleep Saviour Package. If you're looking for more of a DIY solution to your catnapping, you can check out the Sleep Collective membership. This is where it is an incredible community of women. It is going on nearly two years that I've had this gorgeous group of families. And there is a huge library of written and video content where you'll be able to dive in and sort out your catnapping issues. And you'll have me in the background doing troubleshooting. We do bi-weekly lives. We do troubleshooting within the private Facebook. This might be an option that you're more interested in. I will also put the link for that in the show notes. So I'm sure that the end to catnapping is not too far away from you if you reach out for one of these two options. And until then, happy sleeping. If you enjoyed this episode, learned something or felt moved by a topic that was discussed, please share it with another parent who you think would enjoy this episode. Also, don't forget to leave a review on the platform where you listen to this podcast so more families can be empowered about their child's sleep. Make sure to follow me on Instagram so you can get more sleep tips that will help you improve your child's sleep today and head to my website if you would like to work one-on-one with me. Until next time, happy sleeping.